Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. A 12-year-old girl is murdered in her own home. And the case stalls when investigators find little forensic evidence at the crime scene. But scientists also know that criminals unknowingly take evidence with them as they leave a crime scene. And in this case, the killer left with the genetic fingerprint of his victim. Between two of Minnesota's 10,000 lakes is the small town of Wasika, a quiet community with virtually no violent crime. Not far from the shores of Loon Lake was the home of Connie Larson and her three daughters. They're all like five and four years apart, um, but they are very close. You, they were never apart, and they just adored each other. Callie was definitely the baby of the family and uh, she was daddy's little girl 12 year old Callie Joe was in the seventh grade and loved gymnastics she was good I think because she just loved it and she put a lot of energy into it after school on April 20th 1999 Callie Joe got off her school bus and walked down this path towards home just as she always did. Callie Joe was the first one home that day. Her mother and sister were expected later. The rule in the family was everyone needed to be um, home and no visitors at 5 o'clock because that's when I arrived home and then we had our family time. 16-year-old Jamie was the next family member to arrive home. When she opened the door, she saw evidence of a burglary and something far worse. Jamie immediately called her mother at work and then police. I realized that there was something wrong and she wasn't telling me. Coming around the corner and looking up the stairs was a difficult sight for everybody. I mean, there were 30-year investigators that were having a difficult time with that. Um, But it's just looking at who would do something like this. Upstairs, Callie Jo was dead. The fatal stab wound was uh, in the uh, left chest area, um, severed the, or cut the ascending aorta, and she bled to death internally. It's still hard for me to think that she's gone. I mean, that means dead, dead. That just, it, it just can't be. Callie Joe's school books were near the front door, 
an indication she may have surprised the intruder. The point of entry was the basement door. Some cash, silver certificates, and the girl's CD collection of music were missing. Forensic scientists found blood on the stairs, which was collected for analysis. Despite the clutter, investigators also looked for fingerprints. And you kind of tend to focus on the areas where you're pretty sure that the perpetrator was. And then you focus on areas where drawers were tossed and stuff has been, you know, taken out and moved around. There weren't too many surfaces left in that house that did not have some kind of fingerprint powder residue. Investigators vacuumed the carpeted floors for possible trace evidence. They were convinced that the killer had left behind enough forensic evidence to catch him. We had a lot of fingerprints. There were hundreds of hairs in those vacuumings. I initially thought that we were in good shape. A forensic case is like a puzzle, and you are trying to find different pieces of the puzzle that fit to give you the picture as to what happened in the case. Larson's death set a sad precedent for Waseca, Minnesota. The small town had never had a homicide in its history. It destroys the, the safety factor of everybody in this town. Everybody. Well, I think a lot more people started locking their doors. Uh, which sounds a little flippant, but that's the reaction. Forensic scientists thought the blood on the steps near Callie Joe's body may have been the killer's but forensic tests revealed it was Callie Joe's. Next, investigators hoped the killer left his fingerprints in the home, but this was another dead end. When all the dust had settled, so to speak, all of the latent prints that we had taken out of the house were identified to family members and friends. There were no unknowns left. One of the fingerprints found on the bathroom sink was initially difficult to identify. But later, it was identified as Callie Joe Larson's fingerprint. Over time, Peterson would come to easily recognize Callie Joe's unique pattern. She had a loop pattern, but it had another loop that was over the first loop and kind of came to a point on the other end. That's unique. You don't see that very often. The only other physical evidence from the crime scene were two foreign hairs, one found on Kelly Joe's body, the other on the carpet. But until you know whose hairs to compare them to, you've got nothing. And the hairs didn't have any root material, so they couldn't be sent for nuclear DNA testing. A neighbor reported seeing an unfamiliar man near the Larson home around the time of the murder. This is the composite sketch of the man. Another neighbor saw a black pickup truck in the area. Police searched their records for individuals matching this general description who also had a past history of burglary and sex offenses. They found 12 potential suspects. Well, we called them the Dirty Dozen. And because we had 12 suspects that we could not exclude from the investigation, either, you know, by alibi or, or whatever reason. 
One of the so-called dirty dozen was a convicted sex offender, Donald Blum. The significant fact about Blum was that he was also a suspect in the kidnapping and murder of 19-year-old Katie Poyer, a convenience store cashier in Moose Lake, Minnesota, just a few hours' drive away. These are security camera pictures of that abduction. Unfortunately, they weren't clear enough to identify the abductor. Police learned that Blum made several trips to Wasika around the time of Callie Joe's murder. He also drove a black pickup truck like the one seen near Larson's home. And I was being bombarded with so many truths that I didn't want to know. So as I heard more about Donald Blum, I, I suppose the more fascinated we became with the possibility that it could be. Blum denied any involvement in Callie Joe's death and said he had an alibi for the day of the murder. As winter approached in Wasika, hope faded. Despite more than 30,000 pages of reports and boxes of physical evidence, investigators weren't any closer to solving the crime than the day it occurred. And at that point, we had absolutely nothing and I was really becoming concerned whether this case was ever going to be solved. And soon, police in Wasika were faced with another crime problem. There were a rash of home burglaries in Wasika not far from the Larson home. And the perpetrator left behind some evidence, a shoe impression from an athletic shoe which had a distinctive zigzag pattern. A lot of the burglaries had been happening on my shifts, and uh, it was becoming very personal. On a routine patrol near the burglaries, Officer Marcuson spotted a man walking along the sidewalk. As Marcuson drove past, the man abruptly changed direction. This didn't make a whole lot of sense. Just, it just kind of rolls the, rolls the hair up on the back of my neck. So Marcuson stopped the man to ask a few questions. When he did, he noticed something familiar. And Marcuson was able to look down and saw the shoe print in the snow, and that looked like the shoe print that they'd been seeing from some of those burglaries. And while patting him down, found a uh, large screwdriver and a flashlight uh, in his pocket, burglary tools. There's no good reason for this guy to be walking in this neighborhood at 8 o'clock at night with a screwdriver and a flashlight in his pocket. The man was identified as Lorenzo Sanchez, an illegal immigrant from Mexico. In his home, police found stolen property from several burglaries. And police couldn't help but wonder whether Lorenzo Sanchez was also the man who had killed Callie Joe Larson. Not surprisingly, with the arrest of Lorenzo Sanchez, the Wasika burglaries stopped. In Sanchez's home, police found items stolen from the burglaries. They also found many compact discs, but not the ones stolen from Callie Joe Larson's home. 
the bottom of Sanchez's closet, police found two CD cases. On a hunch, they were photographed and shown to Connie Larson. The officer came over with a picture of the CD cases and said they saw these and I just want you to look at them and just tell me if you recognize them. And I took the picture and I said, yes, those are, those are Callie's. Sanchez denied the cases were stolen and said they were his. I bought those in the store. It had been almost a year since Callie Joe's murder, and investigators hope there may be some forensic evidence on the CD cases. The first problem was that the outside cover was vinyl. Just getting the uh, latent fingerprints off off them is, is slim to none to begin with. If you do get one, getting one that's a good usable, identifiable latent fingerprint is e- even slimmer. Nevertheless, the cases were sent to Dave Peterson for analysis. And I got to the second to the last page of the second CD case. I opened it up and there was a blonde hair laying in between the sleeves. Now, I got a little excited about that. Uh, In fact, my heart started racing just a hair. Pardon the pun. That hair was sent for DNA testing. Next, Peterson wanted to see if there were any fingerprints on the plastic sleeves which hold the individual CDs. For that, he used a technique called super glue fuming. I suspended these two CD cases from a rod and then fanned out these plastic sleeves that were on the inside. And what happens, the superglue fumes as they are emitted from the heat will adhere to the moisture left behind in the latent print and turn the ridge detail white. Peterson found only one print on the very last sleeve of the second CD case. The print had a distinctive overlapping loop, one Peterson immediately recognized. The analysis confirmed that it was Callie Joe's right ring fingerprint. We weren't finding the suspect's fingerprint on something to put him at the scene. We kind of did this in reverse. We found him in possession with something that came from the scene. The blonde hair found in the CD case was further confirmation. DNA tests showed it belonged to Callie Joe. Despite the evidence, Sanchez denied he was involved in the murder. All the evidence proved was that Sanchez was in possession of a piece of stolen property. Did you kill Callie Joe Larson? But police had one last piece of evidence. The two foreign hairs recovered from the Larson crime scene. Those hairs, along with a hair sample from Lorenzo Sanchez, were sent to the forensic lab for the newest DNA test available. Mitochondrial DNA is a specialized DNA test. Uh, If you cannot obtain results using nuclear DNA analysis, you'll fall back on mitochondrial DNA testing. Mitochondria live outside the cell nucleus. For the test... Each hair sample is placed into a vial where it changes form into a liquid. The impurities are extracted, leaving only purified DNA. 
Next, millions of copies are made of just the mitochondria portion and then sequenced. When completed, Dr. Holland could read the genetic code of the hairs from the crime scene. And so this particular piece of the puzzle suggested that those hairs were, in fact, from Mr. Sanchez. The question was, which Mr. Sanchez? Mitochondrial DNA is passed from a mother to her children, all of whom will therefore have the same mitochondrial DNA profile. In other words, the suspect, Lorenzo Sanchez, would have the same mitochondrial DNA as his six brothers and sisters. To complicate matters, Lorenzo's younger brother, Miguel, also had a police record and was in Wasika at the time of the murder. The investigation into Callie Joe's murder wasn't over yet. I am innocent of that cause. I did not kill her. It is an injustice what they are doing with me. Lorenzo Sanchez continued to maintain his innocence in the murder of Callie Joe Larson, even though a CD case with Callie Joe's fingerprint was discovered in Sanchez's home. And two hairs found at the crime scene had the same mitochondrial DNA profile as Lorenzo Sanchez. Mitochondrial DNA is not positive identification, as nuclear DNA is. Since mitochondrial DNA is passed from a mother to her children, all of the Sanchez siblings would have the same mitochondrial DNA profile. Two of Lorenzo Sanchez's brothers had spent time in Wasika, a younger brother, Miguel, and an older half-brother, Pedro. Pedro said he had an alibi, that he was in Mexico on the day of Cali Joe's murder, which checked out. Miguel Sanchez was in Wasica that day, but his timesheet showed that he was at work at the time of Cali Joe's murder. Lorenzo was the only Sanchez brother with no alibi. His work record showed that he was not at work when the murder occurred. With that, Lorenzo Sanchez was charged with first-degree murder. He maintained his innocence until his sister-in-law visited him in prison, and the two had a conversation that was taped by prison officials. He specifically says in that conversation, you know, the only thing that they have to link me is the hair. You understand? The hair is the only thing they've got. And Sanchez asks his sister-in-law to place the blame for Callie Joe's murder on his half-brother, Pedro. She refused. Well, there was some, apparently some sibling rivalry there, and his brother Pedro had a record which included some violent offenses. When Lorenzo Sanchez was confronted with the tape of this conversation, he had few choices. He eventually pled guilty to first-degree murder and was convicted. When Callie Jo walked into her home and saw Sanchez in the middle of a burglary, Sanchez silenced the person he thought was the only witness. 
But there was another witness that day. Forensic evidence. The microscopic hair Sanchez left behind and Callie Joe's hair and fingerprint on the CD case told the story. Two years after the crime, Lorenzo Sanchez was sentenced to life in prison. I know where to start. Today, Connie Larson works as a social worker with families who've lived through traumatic events. She's also become an advocate for better databases to track criminals like Lorenzo Sanchez, who often slip through the cracks. Kelly Joe is never far from her thoughts. We talk about her constantly. We tell stories about her. We read her notes. <laughs> um, she is just a part of what we're doing now today. Without the forensics, we had nothing. This case was to live or die by the forensic evidence. Well, it was absolutely critical. We would have not had a case without that forensic evidence. Lorenzo Sanchez would never have been convicted of the murder of Kelly Larson without it. I am Ben Mankiewicz. On this season of The Plot Thickens, we're exploring the world of renegade movie director John Ford. Ford was a living legend, a cinematic giant, and also a notorious egomaniac who could unload on actors. You'll hear from the best of them, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, even Ricardo Montalban. Find out how Ford's legacy survives his personal demons. The Plot Thickens, Decoding John Ford, hosted by me, Ben Mankiewicz. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.